Welcome to Stories of Life and Love, the show where we get a snapshot into the personal experiences and wisdom of each of my incredible art clients. And I'm your host, Evelisa. I have the privilege of working with individuals and couples to listen to their hopes, dreams, visions, feelings, and philosophy. I take all of that information and I reflect it in a portrait or a dreamscape. And I've learned there's so much we can learn from listening to the insight of others. I believe your life is a complex and beautiful journey and is meant to be celebrated. And I'm excited to share with everyone each of your stories behind my paintings of life and love. Okay, so hello everyone. I am really happy you have a chance to join us. And my guest today is very, very special to me. He has been someone who has been such a great example of tikkun olam in my life and um, yeah I've had a chance to learn about him over the years and excited to have him here his name is Avram hello Avram <laughs> hi how you doing thanks for having me hi great yes I'm, I'm happy that you're here with us so Avram maybe before we jump into the questions if you want to introduce yourself to our listeners who is Avram Right. So who am I? <laughs> Good question. Um, well, I guess the most important piece here is that I was born into a rabbinical home, <clears throat> excuse me, which means my father was a rabbi. Mm. And because of that, I was brought up in an environment which was always open to what we call the stranger. People were always living in our home. And it was my mother who took care of them and did a very good job of that, along with me and my four sisters. So I was exposed early on to an environment which was ensconced in Tikkun Olam, repairing the world. Mm -hmm. And then later on in life, I started working in the nonprofit sector, uh, started with the United Jewish Appeal, and then recognizing that there was a, a dearth of humanitarian organizations within the Jewish community. In 1996, I registered a nonprofit, which is called Via Hafta. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a Hebrew word for, and you should love. And essentially, it is and was a humanitarian organization predicated on drawing upon the resources of the Jewish community uh, to help uh, those in need, whatever their background, whatever their religion. Um, and I ran that for about 22 years. Uh, I stepped down about two, three years ago. Mm. And I'm still, I'm still involved in it, but now I'm doing other things as well. Oh, I love that. And what was what were some of the reasons why you stepped down or like what what time in your life was it when you stepped down? Right. So I stepped down. You know, I always compare uh, my career trajectory to that of a pitcher, a baseball pitcher. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm a middle uh, sort of a middle innings, maybe an opening pitcher first few innings, but I'm not a closer. OK. <laughs> and, and, he, and I've done a lot of research into this. And essentially, I'm the guy who they call in when they want to start something new. Mm -hmm. I can do that. I'm pretty resourceful and I have a good network of people. I'm just once it's up and running, uh, that, those aren't really my skills. But I ran it for over 20 years and then I stepped down because I realized if I wanted the organization to continue, it needed honestly someone who was better than me, who could mm -hmm. take it further and understand sort of the modern way of running a nonprofit. I, I, I did it really for the sake of the organization and also selfishly for my own legacy. <laughs> yeah, know? of course. Well, it yeah. sounds like it takes a lot of wisdom and humility to know 
you know, the scope of our strengths. And yeah, it sounds like you really implemented that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I'm sure people are really excited to get to know a little bit more about you. So um, the first question we'll start with usually is, what is something that you are looking forward to or excited to focus on this year, personally or professionally? Well, well, I'm excited about what everybody's excited about, and that's the coronavirus going away and and, and taking some nice walks on a really nice trail somewhere. Um, I think that's, uh, that, that's a pandemic too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I'm also very excited about, <clears throat> excuse me, um, launching something new, a new entity. Mm. I, I can't tell you what it's called because I don't know. Um, <laughs> I can sort of tell you what it looks like, mm-hmm. but, but I'm not quite sure. Um, I know that the components that will go into it are similarly having to do with Tikkun Olam, which is parent, repairing the world. And I think what I really would like to do is my very best to inspire others to bring meaning and purpose into their lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's sort of like a guiding thing. And you're, where do you feel you're at? Or are you kind of in the process of asking yourself really honestly, like, yeah. what will that look like? Yeah, so I've always been the type of person who basically uh, moves based uh, based on inspiration. So mm-hmm. if I'm inspired to paint a pic- picture, I will. Um, if I'm not inspired to paint a picture, then I can't paint. Mm-hmm. So, so similarly here, uh, are you like that too? By the way, do you, do you paint when you're inspired, or you paint anytime? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a little bit different. I. I don't. Um... I, I do follow that idea that inspiration finds you when you're working. So right. I don't, I don't need it, leave it to inspiration, but it is one very good process for sure. One process. Oh, I, I, I like that. I like that. What you just said. I think yeah. I'm going to follow that. Yeah. But, but, but so, so I, I've, I've always been one who's fascinated by human behavior and humankind. What compels us to move forward? What compels us to get better and to grow and to learn? And I've found, you know, that over time, just being sort of a voyeur of sorts, <laughs> that uh, people who have meaning in their lives, they have something to work towards. They have something to look forward to, as you said uh, within your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, they themselves are, 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 it's a therapeutic piece. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, Victor Frankl said that if you have meaning in your life, that's what logotherapy is. If you have meaning in your life, then you will be mentally healthier. And I believe that to be true. Mm. A lot of people don't know what their purpose is. So I like to communicate with people to speak to them, to help them decipher Mm -hmm. or break down or realize what it is that churns inside of their soul and what they, what they can uh, um, move toward to make their life better and to make this world in which we live better. So the framework of it has to do with purpose and meaning. Mm-hmm. And uh, as to how we get there, I think a lot of what will be communication. Yes. And, and uh, on a coaching basis and otherwise, uh, likely through my podcast and mm-hmm. other social media. Yeah. And as someone that's sort of like, you know, you created something, you know, this entity VAFTA and walked away from it with so much grace. Do you feel like, or, or how do you relate to this idea that, you know, living life with purpose and your meaning is beyond, is more than just 
the outcomes you produce. Like we're so we're so outcome focused and results oriented, which I think is a really good thing. It's measurable. But to walk away from your results, you're walking away from uh, those outcomes. I don't know. Does that kind of make sense to you? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. I hear you. Uh, a lot of people have asked that question in one way or another. And, and the truth be told, you, you said that it was, you know, before you said it was inspirational and courageous. And I appreciate that. But I was also somewhat fearful. Mm. And <laughs> the reason I was fearful is because I just knew that I was becoming overwhelmed. It was too much for mm-hmm. me. And I didn't enjoy it anymore. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something that I had to do every single day and it had to do with hiring and firing and working with Excel sheets and so on. That That's not at the core of my essence. It's not yeah. really, it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I, in some ways I could make the argument that I really had no choice but mm-hmm. to walk away and to try to find a re-inspiration, something else that would really, really light a fire underneath me. Mm-hmm. And so I looked back and I said, look, I've been doing this for over 20 years. Thank God it's an organization that uh, is strong and mm-hmm. that is help, helping a lot of people that has legs to it and also a very strong base. And I figured if this is not the time, then when is it? You know, when you look back at, at the career of Muhammad Ali, the great mm-hmm. boxer, he clearly, clearly got out at the wrong time to the extent that he got very, very hurt because mm-hmm. he had been weakened because of his age. And ultimately, uh, you know, uh, contracted a condition which which uh, eventually killed him. So one has to be very, very careful about those things which they are entirely passionate about on one level, mm. but recognizing that that passion can come to an end, or that that uh, you know that uh, motivation can can mm. stop at some point, and then it's time to sort of refocus, take a look at the other aspects of one's life. In this case, my life. Mm-hmm. And, and and to to go down another path, which I'd like to, you know, make something really special before I leave this earth. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Abram. And kind of with that in mind, I mean, what would be what was like a really big challenge for you last year, personally or professionally, yeah. and what helped you overcome it or who helped you overcome it? Right. So I launched a podcast, which is called Hat Radio. I morphed yeah. it into Corona Radio when the coronavirus came along. Um, but that being said, the, the basis of the, of the podcast was to do in-depth interviews with people who had a narrative, which they could articulate, um, a fascinating story, uh, of life and, Mm. uh, and something that we could all learn from. I, I really am blown away by humankind, by Mm. people. And I don't care if they're stars in Hollywood or if they work at a supermarket or at a bank, or if they clean the streets, uh, everybody has a story to tell and everybody has experience in history. And when you put that all together, it really, really creates something very, very special. So I launched the podcast predicated on that. Mm -hmm. The idea being that I would interview people in depth. So they were like an hour and a half interviews. And I interviewed people like Pat Rush, who was a lead guitarist for Johnny Winter, um, and Jeff Healy. I interviewed Brian Prowski, who's the executive director of the Jewish Family and Child Service. I interviewed Roz Jalade, who is a cat rescuer. Mm. Uh, and I interviewed my sister Chavi, whose hu- husband, unfortunately, was murdered in 2002. Wow. Um, Lou, Lou, yeah, no, I, these are like a really important story. So I got this thing up and running. I did about 55 shows to date. And 
I uh, was really challenged by how to grow it. And I tried a lot of different things. Like I got a podcast coach um, and other such things. I really wasn't that fluent in, let's say, the culture or the language of social media and, and, and how, to, how to build growth into it. Um, and I worked really, really hard trying to get the word out about Hat Radio. I was somewhat successful, but not in the way that I was used to. Mm. When I started Via Hafta, I knew how to fundraise because I had done that for seven years prior. I, right. knew, I knew how to create programming. I had done that for many years. But here I am doing the social media piece and my obligation is not only to do the interviewing, but also to get it out there. And quite frankly, today, you know, May the 7th, I can tell you that I certainly did not. I didn't I didn't reach my goals. I did not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to. And as much as I tried, I just couldn't figure it out. So your question is, how did I get over it? Well, here I am today talking about it. <laughs> I guess, still working through it. Yeah, still working through it. I think it's a healthy thing to talk about, to be very honest. Yes, about it. absolutely. Uh, um, so that that that's how I overcame it. It it being uh, surviving <laughs> it as to making my numbers grow. I'm still working on it. Well, it's kind of first of all amazing, and thank you for being so kind of honest about being in the process of working through the biggest challenge and like, you know, your biggest, what I'm hearing and correct me if I'm wrong, but the things that you've usually measured to, you know, rate your success don't necessarily apply in the same way here. So you're kind of like wondering what, you know, what do you do? Um, Right. Have you, have you been enjoying the process though of listening to these stories and using that platform? So, so what I'm enjoying is the actual interviewing itself. Yeah. You know, cause yeah. I've worked, I've worked on that for many years being from a rabbinical family, again, the son of a rabbi, you know, we used to make speeches at our breakfast table, <laughs> right? That was our, that was our thing. And so therefore mm-hmm. speaking publicly, or doing so on radio. I did a lot of commercial radio on CFRB, Talk 640, CHFI. You know, it's it's second nature to me. And I love, 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 love that. And when I do a good uh, interview, mm, man, it's like lying in grown, you know, grow grass in a meadow. It's just that feeling yeah. of, really that feeling of freedom and accomplishment. So I re- really love that. It's just, you know, it's 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 the stuff that goes into communicating one's message, getting out the word about the podcast, mm. you know, getting on Chartable and getting on um, on uh, all these various different sites, you know, which you're told that if you get on here, you're going to be okay because people are going to see it and, and you're going to grow. And I did all right. that stuff. Like I did a lot of stuff right and it just didn't happen. Not in the way I wanted it to. Maybe just not yet. And you know what? Like Maybe. I think... Yeah, this is a this is a new challenge for sure. But I mean, we will definitely post the link to the podcast. Thank and, you. And if there's anything, uh, you know, you want our listeners to hear, definitely we'll share that. But um, yeah, so it, do you have any mentors that you have during this time? Like, is there anyone that you look to to kind of like see how to work through this novel challenge? Right. So I, I you know, I'm... Uh... There's a saying in, in Judaism in Perkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, which is Ezu Chacham, who is a wise person, Lamed Mikal Adam, one who learns from everybody. <clears throat> I wouldn't qualify mm-hmm. myself as wise, but what I would <laughs> what I would say is I do watch and I do listen. Okay. And I am mm-hmm. conscious of what other people are doing. As an example, you. 
Okay. I, I think it's quite fascinating what you're doing in the area of art and relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, your graphics are incredible. And I don't just mean the pictures that you're painting. I mean, the way you're communicating it. Um, and I think it's really wonderful as to how you do that. Um, mm. you, you have some skills that I ne- definitely do not have. Uh, so uh, you're, you're one of my mentors. And I, I'm really fortunate to Lomade Mikaladam to learn from everybody. So I have like a whole plethora of yeah. people out there who are, who are doing beautiful stuff and doing it well. Kim Smiley is a good idea. I, I'm trying to set the two of you up. That's uh, right. Because you're both Harvard graduates. Uh, both extremely intelligent, very bright, very creative. She herself has started something with very unique type of jewelry, but somehow tying that into the concept of empathy and the activity, the action of empathy. So yes, I do have mm. mentors and they're a plenty. That's beautiful. Well, Avram, any which way I can help or ever you, any <laughs> way you want to talk about the process, because I'm also in the process too, but I have no doubt that, uh, you know, everything kind of will fall together into place, especially when you are coming from such a genuine interest in the stories of people. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your offer. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So maybe getting circling back to, um, you know, our creative practice, maybe you can speak a little bit to the ways in which we have kind of collaborated or worked together in art and how that made you feel. Right. We uh, uh, met um, a few years ago through a mutual friend, Rachel. And um, again, I'm I'm really fascinated by people's career or education, uh, educational trajectory. And I was fascinated by yours. Uh, And I I think the fact that you've studied so hard, but done so in such a creative way, um, to me, that's highly meaningful. You seem to bring, you seem to require meaning in your life. And, yeah. and like everybody, but you actually seem to bring it to your life. And that's very special. Mm-hmm. So we became friends. And um, at some point in time, you actually reached out to me, which doesn't happen very often. Not in Canada, anyways. You reached out yeah. to me <laughs> and you asked me if I want to be part of an art show. Um, and I said yes. So I was uh, really, really excited because as artists, I think we're always questioning our own talent. But mm-hmm. I figured, okay, if you saw something in my art, that's a good thing. And why not give it a shot? So you got this art show up and running downtown in downtown Toronto. And I was part of it. And I think I had four or five different pictures to put up. And that was a first for me. Although I've been painting since 1995, I've never uh, been part of an art show, nor have I ever, I think I sold one piece. Um, and again, not because the offers haven't come in, but I'm one of those people who really likes to hold on to my stuff. Yeah. So, so I was part of this. And I remember the day that I came down there to put up the art and you were there and you were very congratulatory, very complimentary about the whole thing. Very helpful. And I remember, you know, there was a particular wall that was mine. Um, and that excited yeah. the hell out of me because, you know, that was going to be my place for my art at this given time in history, this given point. Um, and sure enough, I put up the art and uh, people came. And it was a beautiful reception, I think, the first night. And once again, uh, I don't know, it's sort of budget you had, but you made it look like you had millions of dollars to spend, which I know you didn't, but you did a good job of uh, using your resources properly. 
and it was a really beautiful night. And, and I, and, you know, as any artist who is part of a show, I think the thing that we do is we stand close to our art, maybe not close enough that people recognize we're the artist and we watch mm. and we watch people. And that's what I did. And I watch people to mm. see if they stopped, if they looked, and of course, how long they stopped for. So, you know, our interaction, like in a real level on the ground, as they say, was was through that and and through our art yeah that's great and what did you kind of see from people's responses to your work had you right. shown it before so like i said not really no i haven't just the family and friends and posting it on facebook mm -hmm. but um <laughs> you know it's an interesting experience because it, it's somewhat of an out-of-body experience because you're listening very closely and you're trying to hear what people have to say. And some people are congratulatory. Mm -hmm. Some people are complimentary. And uh, you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe I should check that picture out too. Maybe I'll like it as well. In other words, yeah. for some reason, we kind of remove ourselves from the process. Maybe it's too scary. Maybe it's too painful. I don't know. But what I took out of it is that my art is good enough to be part of a show and for people to come and look at and some people even to attempt to define it. Mm. So that was a really important message. In other words, there's something there, something I put on that canvas that I may not have been conscious of. Um, mm -hmm. But for some reason, to somebody else, it tells a particular story. Again, not necessarily the storyline that I was looking for, but their own storyline. And that to me is very freeing and also makes me feel very connected to others. Yeah. Have you been continuing to work on your practice? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still doing my art. I, for the last number of months, I worked on a triptych and a triptych essentially is three panels, three canvases of a picture. In my case, I did three of the same picture, uh, yellow flowers. So I did yeah. three different canvases, uh, with yellow flowers using the same yellow flowers as my model for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'm finished. I just finished it a couple of days ago. I put a veneer on it. So it has this beautiful gloss to it. Uh, nice. And it has this incredible texture, which I've never gotten close to before. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm sure you've looked at your stuff and felt this way. I looked at it like late at night when it's dark and it's really quiet, especially more so now because of the coronavirus. And uh, I looked at it and I said to myself, wow, this is beautiful. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Love yeah. it. I, I need to take a look at that. Have you shared it at all? Or a little no? bit. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will, though. I will. Yeah. Um. So just to sign off, maybe do you see any silver lining to our global situation, if any, anything that you've been thinking about? So I believe very strongly in humankind. Uh, we're, we're the ones who came up, you know, with a cure for um, polio. Um you know, we're, we're the ones who send somebody to the moon and, and now we're looking at Mars and even further. And I believe, you know, with all my heart that the creativity that lies inside of us uh, is, is, is as big as the cosmos. I really do. Mm -hmm. I also recognize that there, there's a lot of bad shit that happens in our world and a lot of really nasty people. I know that. But somehow, mm -hmm. even after a lot of distort, destruction, the goodness of humankind seems to win out and yeah. therefore the silver lining i'm seeing is that we will overcome this i'm convinced of it 
as to what mm. happens afterwards, you know something? I'm not quite sure. Like the, the, the side of me, which is a uh, uh, very young childlike says, you know, we're going to be even stronger and we're going to be even greater and we're going to have learned lessons that'll take us forward. And then there's the other side of me, which is a bit of a cynic, which says, mm. yeah, it will. But we all know that, you know, since the second world war, definitely there's less hunger, you know, there's less uh, medical conditions uh, in very, very impoverished places around the world. People are flourishing more so, no question about it. The trajectory is upwards, but we also know that racism is rampant. We also know that, that yeah. hatred um, is out there in a very big way. And we don't have to look that far. We've seen it in our own country, Canada, uh, through our, mm -hmm. the process of uh, truth and reconciliation having to do with residential schools. Hatred is out there. So um, what happens at the end of the coronavirus? What's the silver lining? No question in my mind, the trajectory will be up or upwards. However, the question is, what will we forget? What will we let go? All the kindness that is happening right now. In fact, mm -hmm. I could say the proliferation of, of kindness um, is beautiful. And it's something that we need to embrace. Um, will it continue afterwards? I don't know. Humankind is a dicey sort of creature. Yeah. <laughs> We're pretty dicey. And, and sometimes we do good and sometimes we don't. So um, I'm really elated by the goodness that I see out there. Um, I just interviewed someone in Israel, a nurse in Israel, who was with the. Oh, that's yeah, funny. yeah. The first person who uh, she was with the first person who died of the coronavirus in Israel, a Holocaust survivor at 88 years old. Yeah. And she talked about the process of what, being with him and taking care of him, and the moment that he passed away, and the goodness uh, uh, coming out of her was overwhelmingly mm. beautiful. And and so I hold on to that. But but you know we also have our foibles and I and I question, I really question that whether how long we'll remember these days. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, sometimes we don't always yeah. learn from history, and we end up repeating, you know, repeating some of our uh, our Achilles' heel, our mistakes, yeah. right? So yeah. I guess it remains to be seen. But it sounds like we always have the human conundrum of our greatness and light, but also our shadows. Yeah, well said. So, That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Avram. I really appreciate your time. And we will link to your podcast in the show notes, especially this uh, recent episode you said with the thank nurse. You. What was her name? Her name is Rachel Gamara. Rachel Gamara. Okay, wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much, thank Avram. You. And uh, have a great yeah, day. Yeah, thank you so much for this. I appreciate it a lot. Lots of luck with your work. Okay, thank you. Oh, and wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform, please don't forget to subscribe and even leave a little review if you like and share. Thanks so much. Thank you.